but then the parts that you know are less taken are are never really easy but they're the ones filled with adventure and they're the ones you know you don't know uh, the good things that are going to come Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. This episode contains mention of abuse. Listeners, take care when listening. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I cannot tell you how excited I am for today's guest. I had the pleasure of getting to know Antara, who connected with me via Instagram, and we got to know each other, and then we had a conversation, and you might need your tissues today. Like I, I have a feeling you'll be as moved as I was getting to know her the first time, and I'm so excited to have her here on the podcast. Antara is the creator of Sunday Class, a free STEM school for underprivileged youth. She was named the I Volunteer Hero winner of 2022, a big congratulations. Congratulations, by the way. And she and her husband created a company called The Pink Engine, which makes 3D printed Indian railway scale models. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that since we talked to today, um, a lot has happened for you in the meantime. So I'd love to catch up on all that and also just introduce you to the listeners. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I'm sorry for having uh, kept you waiting. But like you said, the last couple of months, a lot has happened and uh, most of them good. So maybe I'll, you know, have more to share now than I would have uh, back then. Yeah, I think it's all working out how it's supposed to. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know I gave a little bit of an intro, but there's so much more to who you are and what you do. Would you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, uh, so my name is Antara Sarkar and I live in India. About, I think, 17 years back when I was in college is when I started volunteering. And on and off since then, I had uh, almost done it, I think, um, regularly. And then about seven years back, I started volunteering, you know, in the community that I presently do. And I met some uh, amazing kids. And two years later, I started Sunday Class, which, as Anna said, is um, a free STEM school for underprivileged kids. So I'm the creator of that. And along with that, uh, I run a small company which makes um, Indian Railway scale models, something that has not existed in India before. So it's a hobby that is, you know, uh, it's quite common across the world, but not something that happens in India. And other than that, I am a big foodie. I love eating, love traveling. I love, I like cooking too. And I'm a trained Bharatanatyam dancer. That's an Indian classical dance form. So I am trained in that. Oh, wow. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Is that something that you still do? Not at all. To be honest, I think the last time I did it was in Sunday class because we decided to do a talent show. So I danced and showed the kids because they'd never seen me dance before, as in dance properly before, like uh, in in the classical way. So no, this is not something I do regularly, but uh, still something that I do love. Oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So thank you for that. And can we get into what Sunday class and a little more in depth about that? I know you shared that you've always 
had this passion for volunteering. And this sort of is an evolution of that. But I know from our previous conversation too, that this is something that you're very, very passionate about and dedicate a lot of your time, your energy, even your home to. So can you talk about like, what is Sunday class, how you came up with it and what it looks like? So when we moved here to this particular city, somebody asked me if I could help out and uh, teach English to some underprivileged kids and they go to a government school. So it was for an hour a week. And I said, sure, you know, I'll go and do that. And but when I walked into the school, I was honestly horrified at the condition of the school because it was just like three, four rooms and there was no furniture there. The toilets were you know, not functioning. Uh, there was no tap. There was, I don't know if you, you know what a hand pump is. So they yeah. had a hand pump. That was the only water source. And I was like absolutely shocked. But the kids were so amazing. They were like just so full of life and they were so talented and so, you know, smart. So that one hour a week uh, very quickly kind of <laughs> turned into a lot more. And a couple of months later, unfortunately, so this was a, a primary school. So it was only till grade five. I realized that, you know, most of the kids are forced to drop out after grade four and five. And that's because the girls are, you know, kept at home so that they can look after the house. They can look after the younger siblings and uh, the boys are sent out to work so that they can go, you know, earn some money for the family. And this was something that I really wanted to change because, I mean, having, you know, 10, 12 year olds do this, this is it, right? This is this is what they would have to do for the rest of their lives if they started doing that at 10. And so I started visiting their homes and by homes, I literally mean like dilapidated, you know, one rooms and uh, again, no electricity, no water kind of situation. And I would go right in the mornings and their fathers would be completely drunk. That was the situation that the kids were growing up in. Uh, But over the next four months, I just kept showing up. I wouldn't uh, leave. (laughs) And honestly, when I look back now, I don't know how I did it because it's scary. It was scary. But somehow, you know, I knew the kids were in those homes and I had to be there and because nobody else was going to show up for them. So I just kept doing it. And uh, four months later, all those kids went back to school. So then I kind of continued volunteering at the primary school. And uh, when these kids were going to leave the school, because they would be graduating, you know, moving to different schools now after grade five, by then I had, you know, convinced them to, you know, that you would not be dropping out. So I had that one year to brainwash them. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and so now I was confident that they would continue their education. Uh, But at the same time, I knew that, you know, my impact of really giving them exposure to the world, exposure to new things could not happen if I just had that, you know, one year at a primary school, it had to be long term. And that's when the idea of Sunday class popped up. And uh, when I asked the kids, would you come on Sundays? And um, they said, yes, I did not have space. I did not have a team, nothing. I even now I don't have a team. It's just my husband, Onurup and I, to be honest. But we found a basement and uh, we started Sunday class. Before that, I had thought that the kids would turn up for maybe you know, just a couple of weeks, because who would want to wake up on a Sunday and come and study? (laughs) uh, (laughs) But I was wrong. And I'm glad to say I was wrong, because we'll be turning five in a month's time. Uh, So yeah, so they've been showing up for five years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And Sunday class itself, the entire idea is to make education um, hands on, to make it, uh, you know, fun and interesting, because unfortunately, the Indian uh, education system, the schooling system is very theory based. Everything is from books. Nothing is really done in uh, in practice. Nothing really is shown mm-hmm. that you could you know, do this, how this applies in real life when you're learning about a circuit. How does it actually work? Just drawing a capacitor means nothing to a child. 
So uh, Satsangde so class is that we make everything hands-on, whatever we teach. And it could be anything from, you know, making circuits to making uh, t-shirts, fa fashion designing, to making uh, movies. Uh, we do everything. You know, I try to bring the world into the basement for the children. So that's the idea of Sunday class. And uh, also to make it a safe place for them. That is something they do not have otherwise in their lives, to make it a safe, protected environment where they're free to be themselves and to share uh, whatever they feel, whatever they think. So that's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, just hearing that is just so beautiful and moving. And I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I love talking about Sunday class, as I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I'm just so struck by your own bravery and courage to to go to the homes, to 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 really be there and advocate for these children. And I am curious, I worked in schools briefly, very briefly. I was a what we call a paraprofessional here in the States, where it's essentially an assistant to the teacher. Um, okay. So just like an extra set of hands in the classroom, uh, maybe giving some one-on-one -on -one to kids. And from that experience, you know, I found it really rewarding to and and difficult to like gain a child's trust. It's a really beautiful when it happens, but it, it's not an easy thing to do. So I'm curious, like, what has your experience been like that? Obviously, you've been able to do that. Was that something you found difficult? And what do you think helped you do that? Yeah, so that's a very, very interesting question. And I think this is the first time somebody's actually asked me that. So uh, I'm glad you did. And, you know, uh, that is very true because uh, when I met the kids, the teachers in the schools, you know, they're employed by the government. And honestly, there is no accountability. So what they're teaching, how they're behaving, nobody, you know, nobody checks that. So anytime a child, especially the boys, would do something naughty, they would literally be like slapped across the face. And because the teachers know that the parents are uneducated, illiterate, nobody's going to come and, you know, complain about it. You know, so the kids never received love and respect in the school and outside as well, because their own parents, like I said, you know, the fathers are completely drunk all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, with the mothers, the mothers are out working. They would leave at like five, six in the morning. They would come back at night. So, you know, it's it's a really complex world for them because all the adults who are supposed to, you know, take care of you and love you and be there for you, nobody is there. You, you're the adult. You're the one taking care of the house. You're the one taking care of the siblings. You're the one who's supposed to go out and earn. That is what is expected of you. So uh, so when I went, I honestly, I did not see it as something that, that I did, which was special or different. I just spoke to them like, I would speak to anybody, you know, it was just that it was simple, you know, I was talking to them with respect, I was treating them as mm -hmm. equals, not as you know, oh, so they're poor, and therefore I can, you know, get away with mistreating them or their kids, they're younger than me, so I can just, you know, not respect them, or they have to be scared of me. And also that is something actually, so for a couple of years in my childhood, I was in uh, South Africa, I grew up there for a bit. So I had a very good relationship with all my teachers, I went to, you know, multiple different schools. And you know, we had a very comfortable uh, equation with our teachers with most of them but when I came to India I realized um, in our schools the respect that we give our teachers is actually it's it comes out of fear it's it's not really respect you are afraid of your teachers and that was something even in my childhood I somehow knew when I when I grew up I would change that. I, I just knew that that's something I really want to change. I had no idea that I would be teaching or that I would be volunteering. I had no plans, but I knew <laughs> that in the lives of children, 
I wasn't going to be adult uh, who was who they're scared of, you know, I didn't want to be that. And uh, so for me, so when I went to the school, that's what happened. You know, I was talking to them like I would talk to anybody and slowly and gradually, you know, they, they started realizing that. And now the kids tell me, and especially the, you know, the most difficult uh, boys, the naughty boys, you know, they tell me now that, you know, initially when you came in and you were like, you know, you, you need to study and, you know, you, you expected us to do things, you expected us to be better. And I used to think, you know, why is she here? You know, why is she doing this? But then slowly I started realizing that why you were doing it, you were doing it for us. And, you know, those same kids who had dropped out of school today, they, they still fight with their families to be in school. Their families still want to send them to work. And, you know, I'll be like, if you really think, you know, you need to go to work. I finally told him after seven years, I was like, if you really think that's what it is and that will give you peace of mind from, you know, from having to, you know, fight with your family every day then what can I say? You got to do it. And he, he said, okay. And then three hours later, he calls me and says, no, you know, I, I got to go back to school. <laughs> I can't do this. So, so uh-huh. that was it. You know, just treating them with that love and respect that I would treat any other human being was such a huge deal for them, which, you know, yeah. I realized now I didn't even realize it back then. And uh, so, so that was the thing. And, uh, and I showed up and I was, I think the only adult who kept showing up for them. And uh, that's something they hadn't seen before. So yeah, I was persistent. (laughs) Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think such a powerful example of just like the importance of showing up for people and and just treating people with respect. Ah, it's so beautiful. I just want to add uh, one more thing here. Another thing I remember is, uh, you know, those boys telling me uh, later that I have, of course, never raised a finger on them. And, you know, they tell me later, ma'am, you know, when this happened, that I'm like, but you never hit us, but you never raised a finger on us. And it's not something I had, you know, explicitly, you know, said to them that I'm not going to hit you. But they notice the change. They notice that this adult is different uh, from the adult, other adults in their lives. They're, you know, their mothers, even when I went to their homes and I'll be like, you know, you need to convince your child to get back into school. The mother's reaction would be, yes, I'm going to you know, hit him and I'm going to. And I'll be like, no, 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 please don't hit him. You know, just sit down and, you know, have a conversation with him. I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to have a conversation with your son, but please don't hit him. And then this, the boys would tell me that, you know, because we were so used to being hit that it made no difference, that it made no difference to us because we were so used to it. So we did not change. Uh, our behaviors did not, you know, improve or change because we knew we were. You're gonna somebody's gonna slap us, right? Move on, yeah. So that's the kind of attitude we had had till you kind of sat down and started explaining, you know, how the world works and what you should do, not do, and how our negative behavior impacts other people. So mm. they didn't realize that they were too young to realize that that you know how, if they behave negatively, how that would affect me when I'm in the classroom or how it would affect the other kids in the classroom. So those simple conversations really, but these were things that, you know, the kids later kind of told me. Wow. And I think that is so cool. It illustrates how what you're doing, it's not just teaching these students subjects, it's teaching them life skills. It's teaching them uh, relationship skills just through your example, which is really beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, thinking of curriculum, which is something that you do also, you know, create and facilitate, like that requires 
knowledge on all these different subjects. What has that process been like? Have you had to teach yourself? And have that ever <laughs> felt intimidating to like learn all these different things? You mentioned fashion and, you know, science and all these different right. topics. Yes. So thankfully, uh, one thing is that Onurup and I, both of us, I mean, Onurup is actually a born teacher. He's just really good at it. Me, on the other hand, I have to work really hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the thing is that uh, because he's naturally good at it, so there's some things that he's just he can handle. And the other things, honestly, I do spend a lot of time in prepping. I mean, there'll be some things that I would have to plan maybe three months in advance because I would not know the subject or I would, you know, the resources I would require to conduct that one class. Uh, would be something I would not have easy access to. So definitely it takes a lot of preparation. I do need to spend a lot of time preparing, reading up on these. And another thing is that one or two uh, subjects in particular, things which are uh, outside of academics, say talking about menstruation, talking about LGBTQ rights, or uh, talking about child sexual abuse. These are all stigmatized in Indian society. These are topics that people do not talk about in classrooms, in homes. So it's all hush-hush. So I knew I wanted to do that. I wanted to have these conversations with the kids. So I was scared. I honestly, because I didn't want to present these topics in a way that would scare a child or scar a child. You know, when you're talking about child sexual abuse, that balance is required. You don't want to overdo it because then they'll be scared of every single person. And at the same time, you don't want to underplay it. So, uh, you know, those kind of things or menstruation, I don't know if I, you know, because it's really, really stigmatized in India. Nobody talks about periods. And every person I asked, people, even people who conduct menstrual um, workshops, awareness workshops, told me not to include boys in the conversation. And to me, that made no sense, because if you want to remove stigma, how do you just like remove the boys and just have conversations with the girls? It, it doesn't it never made sense to me. So I had everybody in, the, in my class and we had, you know, like a two hour session. I spoke about everything, you know, I was wondering what the repercussions of that would be because they would go home and, you know, and I would have videos and, you know, they could, you know, be watching those videos at home and somebody could see it. And, you know, I, I didn't know. But somehow I don't know maybe the parents also have over the years kind of come to trust us mm -hmm. and believe that you know whatever we are teaching is okay so it's not been bad at all in fact uh, but these are things that I have found personally quite difficult but <laughs> I have done it anyway because I believed it was the right thing to do and thankfully it has come out okay <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I I am just so in awe that you have also incorporated those topics, which are so important and being willing to, to do it, even if it is scary and you don't know what the repercussions will be, but just yeah. clearly valuing how important it is for those kids to have that knowledge and that understanding. Yeah. yeah. So I actually gave the boys, like I handed out sanitary napkins and stuff like sanitary products across the classroom so we actually had the boys you know holding them in hand so I don't know in India actually uh, even now I'm sure because I buy st most of my stuff online but if you actually go to like a pharmacy to buy sanitary products so they kind of wrap it up in newspaper and a black garbage bag and kind of you know like sneak it into a bag so that nobody knows uh, it's, oh. yeah, it's still like that so of course yeah. it has changed last couple of years because of social media but mostly it's still that so from that to actually having you know boys in the classroom with sanitary napkins in their hands uh, it's, it's quite a journey <laughs> wow so, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool that you're doing that. So I guess something we haven't explicitly said is that you don't have kids yourself, correct? Correct. That is right. Right. Yeah. And so like, was there ever any hesitation in working with kids, you know, feeling like you didn't have an understanding because you didn't have kids of your own or something like that or not really? Not really, because uh, when I was in college, uh, so for about, I think, uh, two months, I was in a village where I was volunteering and I was put in charge of uh, a summer camp, which had a ton of teenagers. So (laughs) I did that. And then I was teaching, you know, uh, kids of construction workers for a bit. So I had a little exposure to kids, but those two months especially helped me a lot because I was dealing with teenagers for two months straight. And I was like, just like maybe two or three years older than them. (laughs) So I was probably... (laughs) 21. Uh, so I had that. And once I kind of started going to the school, I I mean, honestly, each kid was different. And they were, you know, some of them, uh, because of the backgrounds I come from, it was very difficult to get across, get through to them, you know, to break down that barrier. That was tough. That was really, really tough. Uh, but I'm not sure if uh, being a biological parent would have made it easy, honestly. And personally, for me, I have always found it easier or, I don't know, fun to work with slightly older children. So maybe, you know, uh, 10 and above, I felt most comfortable in that age group because I think, you know, from that age group, children have their own thoughts and, you know, they have their own opinions. And I like that, you know, I like to have conversations with them. So I find myself comfortable in, in that age group. So I Mm. kind of try to volunteer for 10 and above. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, you know, having done this, but you said you're, it's coming up on five years soon, Sunday classes. Exactly a month from now. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, happy almost birthday to it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, what have you learned in those five years about yourself and what has, what has shifted for you? Hmm, it's a good question. Well, I mean, I'm a Taurian and uh, Taurian is supposed to be stubborn, a bull. So I knew I was stubborn, but I think in the last uh, you know, seven years with these children, I have come to realize how stubborn I am. <laughs> so, and uh, I know stubborn is usually seen as a kind of a neg- negative thing, but I say this in a positive way, because if I wasn't stubborn, I would not, you know, I would have given up a long time ago. And because it's, Every single day I deal with something or the other because I'm not taking care of one or two kids. I'm taking care of a whole bunch and a whole bunch that comes from a background uh, which is different from mine and which is very, very difficult. And so to deal with that, you have to have that commitment and, you know, have that perseverance that, you know, you can't give up. And I did not know I was capable of that before this, to be honest. That is something that I've learned. Like I said, you know, showing up that the fact that I would, you know, keep showing up and There's a lot of times that I, you know, I fall down and of course I have only to support with me, but I have always gotten back up again and tried it, you know, all over again. And that is something for me has been a change in, in, in myself, in my perspective, in what I am as a person uh, in these last seven years that I think not given up. I didn't think I was capable of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. This is all volunteered. This isn't something you make money doing. And I spend all my money, time and energy. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. You have to provide the materials like you need resources yeah. for that. So, you know, what motivates you to keep doing this? So I think it would be the kids themselves because, uh, if they didn't show up, 
if they were not committed, then, uh, you know, Sunday class wouldn't exist. Who would I show up for? And uh, the fact that they have trusted me with their lives, with their futures, I think that is what motivates me the most. Because, of course, I mean, I they frustrate me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. I do uh, get, you know, flustered as well sometimes. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because this is also first time for me. It's not like I have an experience of, you know, of this journey before. And so I learn on the job, to be honest. But it's the thing that I know that if I give up, then this is it, right? I mean, who's going to be there for the kids? And that they're the ones who motivate me because I know if they're showing up, uh, how could I not? So I have to be there. Yeah, that's amazing. I I want you to know how inspiring you are. I think you are just an incredible person. And I thank you, thank you for what you're doing and for showing up for those kids and changing their lives just by being in it. I think that even yeah. like, you know, of course you're teaching them and helping them learn. And that is so important and so valuable, but I think also just your presence in their life, you're not giving up on them, your commitment to them. Um, I think that in and of itself has to be life-changing for them. I know it would be for me. (laughs) Thank you. You're making me really emotional. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you make me really emotional. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, works both ways. (laughs) Yeah. So like how much of your time, so is it just the kids come for class on Sundays and then are they in their, their main school the rest of the week? Yes. So for me, uh, I, because, uh, because I started that journey with, you know, getting dropouts back into school. So there's one rule that Sunday class has, and that is you have to be in a normal, regular school. You have to be registered in a school and only then you're allowed to attend Sunday class. Uh, Otherwise not, because if you're a dropout, you can't come. And that was extremely important for me because uh, otherwise, you know, because otherwise nobody would uh, go to school their families wouldn't allow it or I mean they would go play cricket so that's important that you know uh, I made that rule and I think over the years now I don't really have to um, emphasize on it I mean it's just they know they have to go to school they know it's for their betterment uh, it's for their future so uh, so that's the thing and uh, so for the like the Sunday class happens on Sundays other than that they go, they go to school the rest of the week but I kind of take care of them sometimes you know when they're over at my house or long distance every single day because there is something or the other going on every single day so there is never a day when I am you know not doing something related to the kids and it's usually multiple kids you know so even if it's something basic like trying to check their papers on like you know they have these really bad phones and they'll you know send those blurry pictures and like ma'am could you check these I don't know if you've done it right so even if it's doing that you know looking at those blurry photos and trying to figure out if they've done it right to solving literally you know huge big you know crisis basically when you know helping them out of crisis you know I had one of uh, my kids lose their father suddenly like one morning was out of the blue you know I woke up and my phone was just flooded with missed calls and I called him back and I was like what and he said you know my father's died I was like what he's like you know just happened and he was you know lying right next to me you know all of that so I was there and it was really scary like I said because those homes where they stay it's not very safe but I was there. So it's, you don't know, like every single day something happens, some good and bad, but yeah. So I work with them all seven days a week. 
Wow. How do you find the time for anything I don't else? Know. I, I, I tell Omarup this all the time. Like, you know, a couple of years later, we're going to look back at these couple of years of our lives and wonder how we, you know, how we ran a company, how we ran a school, how we took care of so many kids, how we actually had a home. We still had friends. I mean, we were still like, you know, all our friends didn't run away. So, so I don't know how we managed it. And I, I keep telling him that, you know, we are going to look back and we are going to be quite surprised at ourselves, I think. I think so too. Yes. <laughs> I think anyone on the outside looking in is currently quite surprised at how you do it. Um, it's really amazing. And with that, you do have this company, the Pink Engine. And how did that come to be? So this is a this is a fun story. So basically, um, Onurup grew up like his house was close to a railway station. So as a kid, he would spend a lot of time just sitting at the station, and you know trains would be going by, and he used to just kind of love watching them. Apparently, <laughs> so I wasn't around. <laughs> so so uh, I think I don't know maybe seven eight years back, nothing to do with trains. We decided to buy a three D printer just as a hobby, just to kind of experiment with it. And I guess when you don't have kids, you can do things like that. <laughs> spend your money stuff like that so that's what we did so we bought ourselves a toy and uh so we kind of you know would be randomly you know printing stuff and if we had like nieces and nephews coming over and we'll be like uh do you want a butterfly let's print you a butterfly so you know things like that <laughs> and uh then uh, completely unrelated to 3d printing Onurup and I wanted to have like a a train model, an Indian railways train model in our house as a, you know, as a display piece, because most Indians have some memory, some association, nostalgia with the Indian railways. We mostly travel by train in India. And, you know, we look and there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing which was a perfect replica of any train of, or any engine of the Indian railways. And so we said, okay, let's try, you know, we have a 3D printer. How about we try making it ourselves? You know, as a joke, we kind of started doing that as a fun hobby. And then we had like a little piece. And so I want to share this with you. It's called the pink engine because, um, you know, the first piece of an engine we had printed, the filament was bright pink. That was the only color we had. It was, <laughs> the plastic was bright pink. So we had a little cabin of the engine. And uh, on the roof's like, you know, one day if we have a company, what do you think we should call it? So I was playing around with that little piece and I said, the pink engine. And it was a joke. <laughs> we laughed about it. We literally were like, yeah, <laughs> we laughed about it. And then I don't know, two, three years later, I said, you know, we've spent so much time on just, you know, making trains at home. So why don't we try? And because I'm sure there are other Indians who also want to have trains in their homes, you know, as display pieces like us. Why don't we try selling it? So that's how the pink engine came about. We'll be turning for this summer. Oh, wow. Wow. So <laughs> Sunday class and pink engine, they're pretty close in age, four and five. They are pretty close in <laughs> That's why we haven't been on a proper holiday in five years. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Do you have yeah. any plans for one coming up? Uh, no, actually, we thought for a while to visit the U.S., in fact, this year. Uh, but it requires so much planning. And like, you know, we don't have the time to do it right now. So we thought maybe, maybe we'll postpone it to a year or two later. But right now, no, we don't have any plans. <laughs> <laughs> but we should. <laughs> we yes, should yes. <laughs> so thinking about what you're doing with Sunday class with the pink engine, you know, what does the word legacy mean to you? And what do you feel like your legacy that you're leaving is? 
So uh, first of all, I am not really a staunch believer in, you know, leaving behind a legacy. I don't think 50 or 100 years from now, anybody's going to remember anybody who was alive right now. So I don't really think it makes a difference. So I would talk more about in terms of the impact uh, ah, that yeah. I hope I have made. And that would be for, uh, in Sunday class, it would be for the kids because, and I don't look at, at it this way that, you know, their education or, you know, their professions, that's that's not what I mean by it. The fact that these kids have grown up in an environment which is very, very dark, you know, they come from a background or they still live in a place which there's barely any light in that where they grow up. And the fact that even if it's for a couple of years that I've been able to give them love, respect, joy, and some light, I think that is what uh, to me is important because these kids, you know, their thought processes, the things that they have done with me over the last seven years, done with Unrup over the last seven years, that has shaped them differently than it would have otherwise if we had not, you know, been a part of their lives. They have probably been very different people than they are today or than they would be in the future. And I hope that, you know, because of that, because of those changes, which are hopefully all positive changes, that they'll be able to influence, you know, uh, their society, maybe their future families positively too. That, you know, like when I say we're talking about menstruation or child sexual abuse, when they're adults and there are children in their lives, as teachers, as parents, as, you know, as niece, nephews, whatever it is, any child, that they would be the adults that, the children are comfortable and feel safe to talk to that if they have daughters that you know the girl can come and say that you know dad I think I started on my periods or no dad I'm bleeding what to do you know those kind of things which are completely stigmatized in our society uh, I am hoping that is the legacy that I can so-called legacy that I can leave behind that I have left the world a little bit better than than I found it <laughs> yeah which you clearly are already doing which is really cool thank, thank you one more thing is about the pink engine also is this thing did not exist in india so we started something yeah. uh that is completely brand new and uh you know since then we had one or two people trying to pop up trying to you know you know copy us or whatever so the fact that you know we got that thing going and you know we last week we actually had an invite from one of the indian railways official uh sheds where they actually make trains and stuff they invited us to come in you know see stuff and see the engines and stuff so these are things which i never thought i would do in my life you know changing that kind of industry yeah i think that that too is quite special to onrup and i <laughs> absolutely that is so cool and that reminds me i had read in in an article that you were featured in, I think it came out about a month ago. And I think it said in there that you also have some of your 3D printed models are in a museum in India, yes. in like an exhibit. Is that? Yes, in, in Mumbai. Yes. Wow. So that's there's a hundred year old uh, museum in Mumbai. Our trains are there. So they, they have like a uh, like a layout and they have so like, like a forest and tunnels and everything. So, and we have our trains running there <laughs> that is so cool <laughs> thank you I think so too <laughs> I guess where do you see these things going do you have a vision or is it just you're just going to keep going and see what evolves from pink engine and Sunday class or I think it's a, it's a bit of both on some days we feel that uh, you know like you said how do we do all the things we do 
so sometimes you feel that we need to figure out ways in which to lessen our own burden. I don't know if burden is the right word, the work that we do. Yeah. So that is something that we kind of have conversations about. And let's see where that goes in terms of the pink engine, especially. And as for Sunday class, honestly, I was telling a friend this morning, actually, that, you know, I'm constantly been, you know, worrying about the future of the kids, what, are, what is going to happen, you know, I'm constantly worried about that. And I said, you know, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to make that conscious decision to stop doing that and just keep doing my bit. And then just leave the rest of the universe because the things that go wrong in their lives is, you know, it there's so many things and they're so unexpected. And because I don't come from that background, most of us don't, I think. We have no idea that these things can happen. So even now, even seven years later, I'm still, you know, shocked by the things that happen in the lives of my kids. So I can't control any of that. So for Sunday class, I've really, you know, it's like, no, I'll just focus on you running it the way I am and just, you know, one day at a time. And we never ever intended to make Sunday class a big thing. We always wanted to be really small because we don't believe in education being, you know, commercialized, you know, like, you know, we had so many people when we started, why are you teaching, you know, 10 or 12 kids? Why don't you do do it for a hundred? Because I won't know the hundred kids because if I would not be able to know their backgrounds. Now I know every single mother, father, brother, grandmother, you know, I've spoken to everyone, but I wouldn't be able to do that if it's a hundred kids. And that for me is important that the education I'm giving them, uh, the love, knowing all of that is part of part of Sunday class. It's not just the academics, not just opening a textbook. So that's why. So for Sunday class, yes, definitely keeping it uh, short and focusing it day by day. And for the pink engine, let's see. I really don't know, but we need to find something to make it easier on us. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And does your husband work full time outside of the house as well? Yeah, he does. Yes. So he has a PhD in electronics. Uh, so he's a chip designer. So he does that okay. as well. So he has a full time job. Yeah. 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 There's a lot, a lot that you two are, <laughs> are doing and navigating. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we talk about, uh, uh, we were talking about this friend whose house we would go for coffee quite often. About, I don't know, some seven, eight years back. And I was, I actually looked at one of and said, we actually had time on the weekends to do that. We would actually like just go for a coffee and, you know, we would just go for dinner when somebody called us last minute, we would do that. And, you know, it's like, honestly, it's something that we've kind of forgotten over time and uh, we need to kind of get back into those things again. Yeah. So though yeah. We, honestly, we do enjoy the process of, you know, the pink engine and Sunday class and all of that, but I think it's also important to kind of uh, not always be working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It takes some time for yourselves to to refill your own cups. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that you guys have like an awareness of that and are working towards that. I think that's important too. (laughs) So one thing that we haven't touched on too much, but maybe we could just chat a little bit about is what is it like to live? What is your experience as a child-free person in India? Uh, Generally, it's not very... uh positive, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's hard for most people to understand that the, that this is a choice, that you can actually have a choice because um, even, you know, all, most of our um, relatives or friends who, you know, in public, they would tell us to have kids, but uh, when, you know, when away from uh, other people, they would, you know, they would be like, we didn't even realize it was a choice. You know, we just mm-hmm. thought you got married and you had a kid and then you had the second kid, you know, that's how it went. The fact that you could actually sit down and be like, do we really want children? Those are conversations that we never had, it never even crossed our mind that you could do things differently. 
so yeah so that has happened but um i think for me um generally i've not had a lot of support but i think people have kind of now accepted it in a way people in my life most of them and i also know that i would have not been able to do sunday class or the pink engine if i had biological children i'll be very honest because i know if you have your own kids you should be taking care of them they should be your priority therefore you know i know that if that was the case i wouldn't have been able to take care of the kids that i do now so i know the world or the whatever the society i live in might not always agree but then the parts that you know are less taken are are never really easy but they're the ones filled with adventure and they're the ones you know you don't know uh, the good things that are going to come so i think sunday class is one of that wow yes that's so true and i i just love your outlook and perspective thank you for sharing that and for everything that you do and <laughs> yeah maybe before we wrap up could you just speak a little bit about what have been some of the most unexpected outcomes of running sunday class so uh, first of all, like I said, you know, about myself, that's that was a learning that, you know, that I wouldn't give up. Two other things were uh, the kids and their families, because, you know, when we when I went, you know, seven years back, there were so many parents who didn't want their kids to go back to school, didn't allow kids to come to Sunday class. So I was, you know, constantly arguing with them. Own group was also uh, with me. So we were always trying to convince them. And today, you know, five years, seven years later, those parents, a lot of them, still not all of them, but a lot of them uh, are very, very happy that, you know, they listened to us back then. They're very supportive of their uh, kids' education, especially girls, because girls' education is uh, lacking behind in India. But we do have mothers who, you know, support the daughters and send them to school. So that change for me has been something that makes me very happy because these were mothers that I have had arguments with literally to, you know, have them send their daughters to school or to Sunday class. And the second, I think, has been uh, some of the kids, like I said, you know, like the dropout kids or kids, you know, who are always uh, known as the difficult kids. And, you know, people told me not to invest my time and energy on these kids they said you know you're wasting your time why are you spending your money to send that kid to school why are you going to his house to convince him you know there's no point in doing that but all of those those kids are in school today and they're not in school because you know because I am the one who's insisting they want to be in school so uh, like I said you know one of the boys who was arguing uh, whose mother doesn't want him to go to school and instead would want him to work I mean, at the end of the day, he said, you know, no, I need to do this. I need to finish my schooling. So he said, if I have to work, I'll work. But, you know, I'll come back and uh, you teach me, you know, you figure out how to do it. But I'm not going to give up now. So those changes, uh, I was really surprised myself. And in a way, it's I think it's also important for other people to see that, you know, making assumptions about the difficult kids, the bad kids, it's not always the right thing to do. Maybe show them a little bit of faith, maybe show them a little bit of you know love and respect. Maybe I'm not saying it will happen, but maybe, you know, they will turn around. Yeah, it's like you're not even it's not just the kids lives you're impacting, but also the parents, which is pretty cool, like a, a shift in them is happening because of your persistence and your respect and love and showing up. That's really incredible. Yeah. Is there like a message for anyone listening that you want to, to share? Whatever it is you do, I'm not talking about just volunteering or just starting a business, follow your heart seriously, because at the end, that's what really matters. I knew when I started Sunday class that, uh, like I said, you know, kids might not turn up after three or four weeks, but I knew that I wanted to give it a shot. And if they didn't come, 
I would accept that I tried and I failed, but not trying, not starting, I would have regretted that for the rest of my life. I know I would have always looked back and thought, you know, maybe I should have, you know, started Sunday class. So, uh, so that's the thing, you know, if your heart says you should do it, give it a shot. It might not work. I'm not saying it will, (laughs) but at least you would know that you tried and uh, you would have no regrets. So, Mm. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I love that. That's beautiful. Is there a way people can support the work that you're doing or can follow it? Is there a way people can connect and learn more? To be honest, uh, I don't have an official, you know, organization or website or anything. So I take care of the kids like their family. You can follow uh, me on Instagram. So it's My Indian Eyes. And you can find Antara Sarkar on YouTube. So those are places you, where you'll be able to find everything that we do in Sunday class. And, uh, and you can email me. I have my details there. You can contact me through direct messages or through emails so and you know if there's anything anything more you guys need to know anybody needs to know amazing thank you so much Antara for your time for you what you're doing for your example I so appreciate having you on the podcast and also I just so appreciate getting to know you this is our second conversation and it's just been so moving and so incredible to to get to speak with you so thank Thank you thank you so much and Anna I have to say that you know I felt like I was talking to a friend this did not feel like an interview I I really feel touched by your words honestly this made me feel so comfortable so emotional and thank you so much for having me honestly so (laughs) I know we're we're completely on the opposite sides of the globe but really I feel so connected to you (laughs) oh likewise now I'm tearing up (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. This is how we reach more people. And in doing so, that's how we break the stigma. I would really appreciate your support in that and helping this podcast reach more listeners. And if you're someone who is struggling with any aspect of your child-free life, head over to my website and book your free clarity call. We'll talk about how you can start living your best child-free life with intention and purpose today.